excited about this series we're in. So we're uh, way over halfway. I think we only have three more talks or something uh, in this series this month. And we're walking through the book of Philippians. And it's really intriguing to see the different things that we are shown in there about being a living example of Christ in the world today and really allowing Jesus' story to be expressed through our lives. And uh, I hope you've been enjoying it. We've been enjoying talking about the transforming power of personally knowing Jesus and the difference it can make. And today is going to be no different. In fact, uh, it's really strongly focused in on our knowing Jesus and what that offers our life. So let's jump in. We're going to read Philippians 3, 1 through 11. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I, I do it to safeguard your faith. Interesting. Let's, I'm going to read that one more time, especially the rejoice in the Lord to safeguard your faith. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs, not huskies. Nobody has to watch out for them the rest of this year. Anyway, okay, anyway. Sorry, I have to do it to myself too. Okay, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We have put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. This is just like a normal conversation you have with people, right? You know, I was eight days old when, uh, you know, it's just weird, but I'll explain it here in a second. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. But... Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everyone else, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness through faith in Christ. For God's way, uh, for God's way, wow, I, my, my contacts were not working, of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That's a lot of content, even for these contacts to dry out and, and, and read through. But here's the big idea today. Safeguard your faith with joy. 
And what is that? Like, we need to rejoice in the Lord or literally have joy in the Lord because of what he's done, not because of what we have the capacity to do. Paul's going into this dialogue with the Philippian church because, again, there were these people opposing what he was bringing in this new message of Jesus and God's love through his son and free grace through faith in Jesus alone. And they were really getting thrown off by this group that came in behind Paul's teaching and were like, no, no, not by grace alone. You guys have got this all wrong. You still have to fulfill this law and this law and this law. And you have to do this ritual, this ritual, this ritual. And by the way, you have to be circumcised. Like, what is this circumcision thing? This dialogue, this boast of, well, I was eight days old. You know, it's like, it's, it's in the Old Testament. That's how people were set apart for God. And, and that's how people were identified as one who was set apart by God and for God. And so you have this controversy of these people saying, yeah, okay, you can have Jesus, but you got to have all these regulations and rules. And there are people who still believe that today. Like, this is not just a, like, 2,000 years ago issue. There are still people today that are like, well, we better get back to these old practices of these rituals and these festivals and these things. And, and really, probably we're not right with God until then. And you can see if somebody walks into a new follower of Jesus' life and tells them, yeah, that guy who came and then left, Paul, taught you those things, he didn't teach you everything. You may not be a real Christian yet. Yeah, your faith could just freak out, right? Your faith could get like, you could start questioning your own faith. And so I, I think what Paul's doing is very healthy for us here because we have to process through the lens of what are the things derailing new followers of Jesus? These guys were called Judaizers in their, their time. They were Jewish Christians. They, were, they wanted everybody to be like the Jews, but okay, add to your Jewish practices, Jesus, but that's not the message Paul was preaching through the cross and the resurrection being the only thing you had to put your faith in. Paul, therefore, wanted to safeguard the faith of these new followers of Jesus. It's like, man, how do I help these guys put a hedge of protection around their faith? Because what I taught them was real and true. How do I help them discover this? I mean, Paul himself, as he explained, was a persecutor of the church and had a personal encounter with Jesus that helped him figure out what he was doing and all of his well intentions were wrong. So now he understands that. He has a personal experience with it and is trying to help these guys discover that they don't have to follow all these rules and regulations and this religiosity that existed. And so he was combating the same things that we combat today in some parts of the world. Um, it seems hard to imagine that people would wrestle with putting their faith in anything other than Jesus until you start to really imagine how simple it would be to put your faith in anything other than Jesus. Like, couldn't you put your faith in your church attendance at something that was, right? Sometimes it's like, well, I go to, 
I go to church more often than not, so I'm good with God, right? Oh, man, I'm generous. Whenever they give an opportunity to give, I give, so, so I'm right, right? I've been baptized in water, so all's good with me, correct? I've ticked that box. And we could start putting our faith in practices. Man, I am at, what am I at today? I'm at 105 days in a row in my version Bible reading. Some of you are going, oh, you missed a day? Yes, I did. A few of them. Uh, it's just the reality is you, you end up missing days. We were in Indonesia, and there's no such thing as internet. Anyway, so uh, in some of those places that we were at. So, yes, man, we get, we, we find ourselves at certain places and times where we're putting our faith in how many days we've read the Bible versus I just want to know Jesus more. And it's kind of funny. We put our faith in a lot of things in addition to just our faith in Jesus. And Paul's addressing that. So he's addressing it from like a, a brutal standpoint and he's addressing it from like an encouragement standpoint as well, as we'll unpack here. So Paul calls some things to their attention that he thinks will safeguard their faith and we're gonna dive into those. The first thing he, he calls their attention to is put no confidence in your own effort. Right, one of the things here, put no confidence in your own effort. A safeguarded life of joy found in putting your confidence in Jesus is what he's challenging them with. He says this, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. No confidence. Entitlement is a real thing. Uh, it's a real challenge in the world today. And in fact, we've unbeknownst to us, probably created some of this, right? Um, everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets a ribbon, and everybody, you know, so even when you're starting to think about our faith, at certain point in times, you could read scriptures that make you feel uncomfortable, even maybe correct something that's going on in your world, and you could get a little frustrated with God and say, hmm, you know, but I deserve this healing, Do we? Right? I mean, so we can even push back on, are we trusting something more than just God's sovereignty, like the fact that he's in control of everything? Or are we putting our confidence in our own works? But I tithe, Lord, I give 10% of every undesignated penny that comes into my world, so I need this raise. I need this new promotion. I served... Every Sunday last month, so Lord, help me get this new car. It, it, I know this, some of these are silly illustrations, but that's kind of what's going on here. God, I'm circumcised, so, in fact, I, I, on my eighth day. Paul's addressing this issue with different followers. I have, I have kept the religious traditions. Oh, then you deserve right? Or, I am confident I'm going to heaven because I attend church more than once a month. I love the illustration that I've heard speakers say, just because you're standing in a garage does not make you a car. We want to see ourselves put into action 
the, 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 the work and the faithfulness of following in relationship with God. You can have a love. You can have an incredible love for, for your church and its, its vision and its mission. But that should not be where your confidence is. Galatians 6, 14 words it this way. As for me, may I never boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. There's nothing like watching the insecurities fade and stability increase when we just put our confidence in a work that was already done through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. It takes the pressure off us to, to perform as a Christian, right? To perform as a person that, that then deserves God's love. We, it takes this, this works mindset of faith completely off of our relationship with God. Nothing can waver you under the covering of the cross and resurrection. And Paul's getting at that. He's like, put your trust in this, not in you. Because you're going to fail. You're going to get weak. You're going to have down seasons. So that leads us right into his second thought is we got to know Christ. Thought two, know Christ. A safeguarded life of joy is found in, in and through knowing Jesus. John 17, 3 says it this way. Jesus says it himself. He says, this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So we read and spend time with the scriptures to know Jesus. Not to get our 106th day in a row of, of Bible reading in. To deserve something. No, we want to know Jesus more. Not to check off our duty as a Christian. We want to comprehend God's loves for us and others and hopefully allow that to open doors for us to live life to the full. The more we know Jesus' life and character, we can allow our heart to change and become more like Jesus as Dave was talking about and praying and challenging us in worship today. Knowing Jesus changes the living expression of our faith to others around us. We have such an honor to live this out today. One of the reasons that it's so important for our faith to go on missions trips uh, it gets us out of our comfort zone and out of what feels easy, out of uh, our own culture and to see how people's relationship with the Lord exists around the globe. It's very different than, than our relationship and even how we do church here. And uh, to see genuine passion. We went on the Indonesian trip this summer and, and it was challenging to see the passion and, and hunger and pursuit 
of Jesus from people that had so little comfort. Especially when we're entering a dirt-floored hut or we're walking into a tarp and a piece of plywood that houses three families that's about 150 degrees. And you're just going, what? And what do they pray for? I want to know Jesus more. What? You don't want the bigger house? You don't want a new car? You don't want a more comfortable seat in order for you to sit through an hour service? They're like, no, if you have something to say about Jesus, the service better be two hours. Like, they're like, oh, if you're going to do a training, it better be four hours long. Okay, you know? Yeah, I'll come up with four hours. When do you want us to do that? Oh, it's in a half an hour. Yeah, sure. Okay, right? It's really, it was the same in the DR from what they said. It's just, they love, why do they want to sit in a teaching environment for so long? They're longing to know Jesus. They have such a stronger passion than ours. We take a lot for granted here. They'll sit in an uncomfortable environment just so they can know him more. Matthew 7 through 21 through 23 can give us the other side of inspiration. Some of you are motivated by reward. Maybe you're motivated by uh, the positive. Other of you, you need a little fear involved, right? Listen, listen to the way Jesus teaches here in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Okay, <laughs> right? That's, that's brutal. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? We put our trust in what we were doing for you, Jesus. We put our, tr- our confidence in, in this and that and that practice. No, no, no. It's do you know me? Do I know you? Nothing has changed. God's desires have not changed at all. If you read the entirety of Scripture, he walked with Adam and wanted relationship with Adam. And they walked together and spent time together in in the Garden of Eden. You look at this and you're just like, it's still the same desire. God wants a relationship with you. That's why our mission is that we are people leading people into a relationship with Jesus because he wants a relationship. He doesn't want a religious practice. He doesn't want your sacrifice or your effort or your confidence in your own abilities. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. So when we challenge you to read the Bible daily, it's not just so you can get a long streak in you version. So you can know Jesus more. So you can know the heart of God for humanity more. So that you, why do we challenge you to come to church more often or maybe show up early and, and, and for prayer at 9.35 or whatever? It's so you can know Jesus more. 
so that you could grow that relation. Why pray daily? Because you're in a dialogue with the one who wants to know you. Really, so we could grasp the fact that he does know us. <laughs> He's very aware. Why listen to podcasts so you can grow daily in knowing Jesus? Why watch a message you miss? To grow. Worship at home. Yesterday I was, I was mowing the lawn and I was listening to a, a Hillsong creative podcast. It's been my most recent podcast I've been consuming. I think I just finished all of them. And I was on episode 57, I think. Yeah, 57. Uh, and I, at the end of it, they just had a worship song. And I caught myself. I was like moving some pool stuff to put away for the, the winter, which we experienced at the beginning of this week. And uh, it was so cool. I was like, I better get this stuff put away so it doesn't freeze. And I'm out there doing it. And I catch myself walking across the yard. And I realized, here I am, gloves on, in the backyard. And I had my hands raised in worship walking across the lawn with what I was, I was listening to a worship song in my head. And I'm just going, that's funny. I just realized I was doing it. When's the last time you just got caught up in your, the presence of the Lord while you're doing your chores? That's longing and trying to know Jesus. You're going, that's weird. Yeah, it was, honestly. It was kind of weird. I was like, oh, I know this might look weird, but if they're looking at me in the backyard, they deserve it to see some weird, right? What is this guy doing in his backyard? Walking around the freshly cut grass. In this episode... They were interviewing a guy named Mike Gore with an organization called Open Doors. And he works, Open Doors works with the persecuted church, uh, persecuted believers all around the world. And he was telling these stories that were insane about smuggling Bibles into Hong Kong. And, and if the suitcase was getting closer, you know, to needing to be scanned through the machine and, and the people who would pray for the scanners to, to not work and watch the suitcase go through, and, and they're not arrested or killed for trying to evangelize or get this contraband into the country. He tells an instance where they prayed for the scanners not to work the next day, and the report comes on the news that the airport experienced a fire in their electronic system, and that their, their screening systems weren't working, but they were still going to operate on a normal schedule. They're like, the Lord answered our prayer, and they smuggle all these Bibles in. Really interesting moments where people are doing extreme things. And he talks about one of the instances where he was asking one of the followers if, of Jesus in these countries that don't allow for Christianity. He was asking him, what can I pray for you? And the guy's replies was, pray that we never allow Christianity in our country. He's like, what? It just made his mind do that little like moment. And he said, yeah, because I'm looking at the world around us and those countries that do have freedom of religion and just how apathetic they've become in knowing Jesus or making Jesus known. And I don't want to become that. I know it costs me something. I know it could cost my life to share Jesus, but he gave his life for me. This whole mindset Paul's talking about of knowing Jesus so much they were willing to suffer for him is not something we're really experiencing here 
And maybe it's to our detriment. That was challenging to listen to. And it was challenging to listen to, but when I read whatever articles that are going on out there, even this week, there's some interesting opposition around the world, even in our free countries, to the faith. And maybe that's for our good. So that we really have to decide if this is who we want to know. If we really believe the Bible. In a case in, in the UK is, this week, the Bible was found to be incompatible with human dignity. Wow. That could have ramifications for all of us. It was incompatible with human dignity. The judge went on to say, and so far as those beliefs form part of his wider faith, his wider faith also does not satisfy the requirement of being worthy of respect in a democratic society. We're at a time where we need to know Jesus and we need to know the love of Jesus for people. And for, if the legal system shut things down, okay, I'm still going to grow my relationship with Jesus. Because it could happen someday in our future. Let me be crystal clear. The Bible does not give us the right to hate people. We should be, the, that's why we give out a book called Everybody Always or Love Does, whatever Bob Goff book we get our hands on. We should be the lovers of people and we should lead with love, but we can't be ashamed of the truth that we're called to live according to. And we live in a world that would like to scratch out a lot of the content of the scriptures. If we want to know Jesus, we're going to love people even through that. In fact, it illuminates our need for the power of God to get through some of the situations we find ourselves in. And that's why I thought three Paul brings up is we need to experience his mighty power. A safeguarded life of joy is found in allowing the power of God to flow through our lives. And do we really allow ourselves to find ourselves in situations where we need the power of God, like it's necessary for our life? I'm challenged by people, like that guy with open doors going into the persecuted Christianity countries, or I listened to a podcast of Gary Haugen this week, or we support Speak Up for the Poor last month with our 10%, and you hear these people that are going into countries that are closed to the faith, and they're doing incredible works of justice, but you know what? They need our prayer because they're on the front lines, and I remember hearing Gary Haugen with International Justice Mission challenge his team. He's like, you know, we, we gather every morning to pray for what is being done. Not just because we're Christians. We have to. Their lives are on the line. People are going to live or die today based on God's power being at, at work. And I just think we don't feel that a lot here. Right? Are we praying for opportunities to be used by God? Not in dangerous scenarios. Are we even praying for somebody to be healed around us? Are we praying for somebody to get well that is sick? Are we pausing our lives to go and, and pray for others? Are we sharing Jesus or are we just masking it all in the name of generosity and love? 
why don't we just actually share Jesus? Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. See, Paul was consistent in this teaching to all the churches. You've got to live in this power that raised Christ from the dead. It's a gift to all of us to live with the Holy Spirit working through us. And sometimes, yeah, we're very aware that we need the power of God to help us. <coughs> I was invited a couple of weeks ago to share some thoughts in a candlelight vigil here in the community for someone who had taken their life. And the environment of this candlelight was not the safest environment, ultimately. Um, those who were going to be there were most likely uh, drug users, sellers, and... Um, and they were in a state of deep hurt for losing one in their own community. And somebody in the community woke up that morning and said, man, there's going to be a lot of people here who need answers, who are, who are longing for hope. Who could show up that could speak this into their world and, and actually want to show up at this environment? And Thad, that pastor who shows up to those nonprofit groups in the community Maybe he'll come. So they send me a message. I really didn't plan words to share there. I just said, Holy Spirit, help me. But I showed up. And it was an interesting environment. I got sick when I got home from all the drugs that were being used there and the smells and this, whatever got in my system. I felt nasty when I got home. It's been a long time since I've been in an environment like that but this is what's so cool, is that not only did they feel safe, that, that it was a safe person to invite into their world, they wanted me to share and help them grieve. And so what did I talk about? Did I just talk about generalities? No, I talked about how Jesus saved my life from addiction. And sometimes we just need to feel the power of the Holy Spirit give us the strength to actually Say the name of Jesus. And in sharing that, I then got to stick around for another hour and share one-on-one -on -one with those who are experiencing incredible hopelessness and faith is not even on the radar. What an honor to be in that space within our community and to watch them love one another. They were doing great even without Jesus. But boy, with Jesus their world could be so much more powerful. We are the carriers of that hope, that life, that peace that they're longing for that they could not find in their sorrow. And we need to put ourselves, we need to allow God to use us in moments like that where we're hopeless without his power. Peter puts it this way. He says in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, by, the, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received 
all of, of this by coming to know him, Jesus, right? The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enabled you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And that's why Paul gives this beautiful challenge right in the middle of this text that I think should touch our hearts and is a great action step for us today. Rely on what Jesus has done. <coughs> we need to rely on what Jesus has done. Colossians 2.13 says it this way, you were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He's forgiven all our sins. He canceled the record of the, the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. So even in the spiritual realm, he ashamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And obviously the resurrection. And today we're going to conclude celebrating that. We're going to receive communion together. And so there's some realities to our, our, our rely on Jesus challenge as an action step. Uh, first thing, we need, to, we need to choose to follow Jesus. It all starts with that faith step for us. And if you've yet to choose to follow Jesus, the Bible challenges us that we should not receive communion if we've yet to make that decision to follow Jesus because we actually then are eating and drinking condemnation on ourselves. And we don't want to do that. We want what's good for us. And it gives us life. And so we prepare this thing that Jesus did with his disciples where he broke bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for you, speaking of the cross. And then we have juice that will go into the cups and we take the bread and dip it in the juice and, and receive it because the, the juice represents the blood of Jesus. And Jesus took this cup and said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Well, when we're saying we're putting our dependence and confidence in the cross... This is what communion celebrates. We want to reflect on this and remind ourselves of all the things we're putting our trust in besides Jesus. Let's realign ourselves. And let's open ourselves up. God, if you want to use me, power come through my life. I want to be one who impacts the world around me, right? It's not dependent on your skill or your personality. It's not, in fact, oftentimes I think we use our personality as an excuse not to let God use us. No, no, no. It's the Holy Spirit that will give you the ability. I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you who need to choose Jesus. And then I want to pray as we get ready to receive communion. So while I pray, can we stand? God, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us today to open up a, a really direct reminder in your word that our dependency needs to be on, on what you did on the cross and through the resurrection, really giving us the authority over all spiritual realms and putting our confidence in one thing alone, and that's you, Jesus.
not rules, not regulations, not our own talents, our aspirations. We put our confidence on you, Jesus. We want to know you more. We celebrate with you today. And I pray if there's somebody here yet to have made that decision to follow you, they've yet to invite you into their life and confess you as Lord of their life, Savior of their life, that we could take care of that right now. If that's you and you just want to pray and receive Jesus, become a Christian today, say, Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. I thank you for coming and taking my sins, the charges on my life. I thank you for, for taking those upon yourself on the cross. Giving up your life for mine is unfathomable, but thank you. God, I pray that you would help those who stepped out right there grow in their relationship even this week incredibly and know you more. It's going to be overwhelming. So as we surround them and encourage them and equip them to grow their faith, I thank you for that. Lord, for those of us who do have made a decision to follow you and as we celebrate in communion what you did with your body, what you did by shedding your blood today as realigning ourselves in our confidence of you and your power versus us and our strengths. May we be deeply convicted and challenged. May you kick our faith into overdrive and allow us to experience confidence in you like never before, grow in our knowledge of you like never before. And may this realignment, this celebration through communion be just an igniter of what is to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.